Ligon. Hello, I'm Eric Devin, and welcome to the Get for Triple News preview show on today, December 1st, 2016. Ligon was in midweek action uh, in match day 15 over the last two days. We were treated to a surprising set of results, with several sides breaking out of their shells to turn in accomplished attacking performances. On Tuesday, Lille put four past Caen at home, winning 4-2 in a result that sees Le Doug out of the relegation zone on goal difference as the club searched for a long-term replacement for Frédéric Antonetti continues. Lorient got a vital win in a Breton Derby win at home to Rennes, with Majid Wadi snitting the winner just after the interval in a 2-1 win, while Monaco were surprisingly held at an impressive Dijon one all. The multiplex saw even more goals, though, with Lyon thrashing Nantes 6-0 and Nancy beating Metz 4-0. Nice, meanwhile, returned to winning ways at Gangamp 1-0 thanks to an early goal from Eunice Valanda, while Saint-Étienne were held to a scoreless draw at home to Marseille. Bastia also drew at home, 1-1 with Bordeaux, while Toulouse got a first win in five at home to Montpellier, Isiagasilla scoring the game's only goal in 19 minutes. In the late match, a heavily rotated PSG won at home to Angers 2-0, Edinson Cavani scoring a penalty on his first 14th goal of the season, while in Ligue 2, informed scorers were also a deciding factor in a top-of-the-table clash between Brest and Troyes, with Neil Maupai scoring his ninth for the winner after Adama Nian had set the visitors equal. The hosts drew level with the win on points with 31 each at the top of the table with Lens and Rennes for the two back. And in breaking news, it has been announced that Nantes are in contract termination talks with manager Rene Girard. Uh, we had reported this on the main uh, site at GFFN on Twitter. Uh, and it's been also corroborated by several uh, other sources based in France. So how are you doing this evening, gents? Good, thank you. Yourself? Well, thank you. Peter is still not on the call. All right. Well, you feel all right to proceed, Nathan? We'll go, go ahead. All right. <laughs> all right. So, I'm speak first uh, to recap a couple of the matches. Uh, Nathan and I were able to watch uh, most of the action from Tuesday, so we'll, we'll focus a little bit more on that, uh, but also speak as well about the match from Wednesday. Uh, so, speaking about our, our Breton Derby on, on Tuesday, Lorient may have ridden their luck defensively, uh, but their attacking impetus was once again impressive. This 4 3 3 with uh, Waris and Mukanja cutting in from the wings and uh, Sylvain Marvel playing a little bit of a withdrawn role. Uh, is the result is this a result that can move them forward, Nathan, or is their defense still too much of a liability? It's a tough one to call because, in all honesty, they've been a bit they've been inept defensively, and that's been their main downfall this season. Full stop. I mean, they prime example was last week's result against uh, against was it Con? Was it last week where they they were drawing three three? Uh, yeah, they were they were at least three one up against Mets. Sorry, away from home, and they they allowed Mets back into the game and draw three three. It's just a prime example from even the first game of the season where they were two 0 up and lost three two against Carl. The defensive liabilities have really caught up to them too many times this season, and they yeah they rode their luck a lot against Ren, especially in the last ten minutes or so. And Tep should really score a goal. He probably should get a penalty as well. And there's a couple of chances. Pedro Pedro Enrique has that chance as well after and Tep shot that he really should score. So, yeah, it, do you go on with this forward mentality because it worked and got them a result? They were at least more positive, um, especially that they really lit a fire underneath themselves at the start of the second half and grabbed an early goal that really put the cat amongst the pigeons with Ren because they were rising at the end of the first half after having scored and. Yeah, I th- I think they were definitely better than we've seen them in the in the past. I think they're starting to show a little bit more impetus. 
they look to get the ball forward a little bit quicker, although it still can be a little bit disjointed. They still look like one of those sides that when you see that have been struggling, they t- they they try to rush things a little bit too often, try and see that killer pass early and they kept on giving the ball away from that sort of idea. But at least they're being more positive than they had in the past. And going forward, being more positive, if they can at least score more goals than they concede, then they'll win games. But they have to shore up that defence as well because it's it's a poor goal to give away as well. It was very sloppy by um, Torre, the, the captain on the night. And it's that needs to improve if they want to stay up and they want to keep picking up wins. They that needs to that needs to come with the attacking play as well. Yeah, just Lorient have conceded twenty seven goals in fifteen matches this season. That's the joint third worst defense in the league. Uh, Mets and Montpellier are doing the honors of the bottom, but there, but definitely something that needs to improve. And what about uh, the goalkeeper? Uh, I think personally, having seen Lorient uh, uh, since Benjamin Lacan has been injured, I've been impressed with Delacroix. Uh, what are your thoughts on him, Nathan? Should he keep his place given Lacan's uneven form this season, or should the should Lecomte come back in? Yeah, I've quite liked Delacroix as well. Um, I, because the, but the problem for Lorient really is the defence in front of them rather than the goalkeeper. Yes, Lecomte has had a few not-so-great displays, but um, as you may attest to as well, he had an absolutely outstanding display that got him points against Lyon earlier in the season. And it's that kind of next level that Lecomte can get to that probably gives him the starting place over Delacroix despite his decent form. But it's at least a positive that if if there is issues with Lecomte or if he does maybe get interested in January or in June, if he does, then at least they've got a, a really good backup who's really shown how good he can be. Um, I would be tempted to play maybe... You've got the excuse at the moment, haven't you, with, with Lecomte injured, that even when he gets fit again, you can maybe leave him out a week or two if Delacroix still being very very positive and use the excuse of, oh, we still get returning to full fitness, etc., etc. So maybe keep him in for the time being for some consistency while while Lecomte recovers and give him the time to to fully recover from his injuries. I think it's a thigh injury that I have at the moment, but... Um, yeah, I think Lecomte is still the the number one for me, but simply because he can turn it up to that next level that I've not quite seen Delacroix do so far. Yeah, I mean, Delacroix has conceded seven goals in three matches, but I think that uh, personally his play for me really really belies the numbers. I think that he's he had a great performance uh, on Tuesday evening and, and did pretty well against Monaco and that 3-0 defeat the other week as well. So uh, moving on now, uh, we're going to speak... Uh, Keeping with you, Nathan, we're going to speak about uh, Monaco. Uh, they were at Dijon, and Monaco decidedly did not live up to their, their billing that we talked about on Monday as the most <laughs> exciting team in Europe. Uh, but how about Dijon? Um, the introduction of Lois Dioni uh, made a huge difference. Um, but in general, talk a little bit about this team, who've recorded several impressive results since being promoted and really do play att- attractive football. Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned to you before that, Eric, that I've not really seen Dijon too much this season. And, and this was one of the, I think this is the second time I've seen them this season. But yeah, they really impressed me. Um, I think they can give at least a slight hand to their pitch. Um, it's a little bit sandy and a, a bit diggy, isn't it? It, it? it seemed to slow the ball up quite often for Monaco, which, you know, isn't going to harm them in any way. But it's it's a strange mix that they seem to try and play football themselves as well, which is even odder on a pitch that seems to not be very forgiving for that kind of play. But yeah, they they try and, and make things happen and they 
I, I really, I've always quite liked um, Frederick Samartino. I thought he was very good. He has those little touches and he just moves away from from danger. And he he created a couple of chances before he obviously slid in for the goal. But Dione made a difference. I think he's a, a really interesting striker. He's had four goals this season. He sets up the winner as well. Uh, he added an extra dynamism. I don't know quite why he started, didn't start, unless it was maybe he was picking up a knock or if um, maybe it was a little bit of a rest because there was quite a few players rested um, midweek for a lot of the teams, really. But yeah, he made a real difference. And I thought the striking partnership beforehand, um, I'm trying to. Riviere had started and then uh, Tavares came on as well. There was the there was the young lad as well. They pushed up front who had to come off for a concussion. He he was impressive as well. I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, uh, his first start of the season. Um, I'll just double check if I can find it. Very quick. <laughs> of course, I wouldn't drop it on us as we were thinking about it, wouldn't it? How terrible of me. But um, he was really impressive as well until he had to come off. I've I've just got it up uh, and it's not telling me. Excellent. Uh, come on, show me. Jeremy Bella, that's it. Jeremy Bella, yeah. He, he, his, he, when they moved him further, further towards Riviera and allowed him to buzz around him a little bit, he caused some problems. And yeah, Monaco were <sighs> disjointed, shall we say? Yeah, the the pitch wasn't great. It didn't help that um, Lemar didn't have his best performance. It didn't help that Raji was maybe a little bit too defensive in this in this game and mm. sat back and allowed players to attack him a little bit and, and into that space. And I, also at the same time, I thought Fabinho helped cover Sidibe's defensive frailties quite often, especially towards the end where Sidibe twice before the goal lets a player go in behind him and Fabinho has to cover him. And the moment that Fabinho can't cover him because he's defending that centre of the D, uh, there's a player in behind him in Luis Dione who's left all alone to find uh, Samaritina for the equaliser. But yeah, Dijon showed me enough today uh, in that game. Sorry, in that game on Tuesday that I've watched today. <laughs> that, that, um, they've really got enough to maybe st- to stay up this season. To, if they can keep playing that way, if they can get results like this against big teams, that I think they they look better than some of the other sides I've seen this season. If they can play that same way against the weaker teams and get results, then then yeah, they're going to be. They're going to be tough to break down, and 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 they're going to create something at the other end. And as long as they can stick them away, they they they're going to have a decent season. I think. I think they'll finish around maybe the lower ends of mid table. Yeah, I think they're definitely of the three promoted sides. My favorite to watch. They're right back. I really like Fouad Shafiq was not in action, uh, but he's he's another one who I think's been impressive. Florent Balmont is also had also moved uh, to Dijon in the summer, and I think has been. Impressive when he's played, but again, he's, was, he's, was the right back uh, uh, Vincent Rufley? Or oh, I'm um, saying sorry, Shafiq usually starts. He, ha- he he did not start on uh, on Tuesday, but he's uh, he's one to watch as well for me. I think he could get the job done at a bigger club. He's really really impressive thus far. But anyway, uh, yeah, Dijon definitely a team to watch. They're not uh, they're not the typical promoted side that are. Uh, dogged and, and dour and trying to scrape results. They really, they really do play a attractive style. So, Peter, coming out to you now. Uh, we're going to speak about uh, Leon's class victory at Nantes. A decisive result sees uh, Legon reclaim fourth place, even if they are eight points back of Monaco. Uh, perhaps more interesting than the result, though, was the performance of Matthew Valbuena, who looks a player transformed in his two most recent matches, thinking also back to his lovely goal and generally all around, around solid game against PSG at the weekend. Could he be the difference as Leon seek to make up ground in the top three? Potentially, yes. I mean, um, 
it was an absolutely fantastic performance all round from Leon One, which I'm sure you uh, you very much enjoyed watching, Eric. Um, and Valbuena had an excellent game, probably probably um, probably probably one of his better games in a Leon shirt, actually. But I think that really came down to uh, the way that Leon were controlling the game from the get go, and the fact that Leon's other midfielders in that game, um, Sergi Darder, Gonalonso, Tolisso, they really allowed Valbuena. Uh, the kind of ability to roam and express himself, which is another kind of plus point um, that Leon uh, can play the four-three-three as opposed to the the three-five-two, where players are kind of um, have to be a little bit more disciplined and have to stick to their their positions a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it was it was certainly great to see him back sort of performing to his best and and, and achieving the kind of levels of performance that we know he can do. Because obviously, you remember him from his Marseille days. Um, you know, he looked like that player of old at times in that game. Um, but really, for, for me, spe- special commendations have to go to Sergi Darder and, uh, and Rashid Ghazal in that game. Um, Ghazal really terrorised Nantes from the, from the first minute and Darder pulled the strings um, throughout the whole game. So really, really excellent performance from Leon. So many, so many things to like about it, um, especially you know, Dia Carby as well at the back. Absolutely fantastic. Brilliant header from him. Um, so it's just, you know, if you're a Leon fan, you, you must be a happy man. Yeah, and I think the point on Darder is very well taken as well. He, uh, he's a player for me that has flattered to deceive. I mean, he's had some lovely moments. I think back to that goal against PSG last season uh, when they they beat them at the Park OL. Uh, he's obviously got a lot of talent. I sometimes have doubts about how he fits into uh, the various systems that Genesio has used and, and also that, uh, that Hubert Fournier had used prior to his dismissal. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, I think that Jordan Ferry's had – a frustrating last couple of weeks. I think that he was really poor against PSG and that Darder fully deserved the start and, and showed why he should, you know, perhaps continue, continue to start and unless Ferry can prove in some way that he deserves that, that spot. Um, now, I'll, you know, it, it's also interesting because as fine as Valbuena has been, that also, and I, I think this is a question I'd like perhaps both of you to address. Uh, it also means Nabil Fekir does not have currently a place in the team. Uh, Nathan, you, you first. What? What uh, is that a surprise, or is that something to be expected given uh, Fekir's somewhat um, intermittently stop-start recovery, if you will, from his injury? It's a little bit of both. You'd like to see Fekir out there because he's a wonderful footballer and he's got a, a real talent net really excites you because he's, there's not many players that play like Nabil Fakir with the wonderful close ball control that he has and the willingness to drive at defenders as well. And he, he puts them on the, their skates, really, and that's what we we love to see in football, or at least I always do. I love those attacking players that want to drive at, for, at defenders and, and uh, scare the bejeebies out of them if they can. But, yeah, it's it's been a tough time for him, hasn't it, with the injuries and bits like that. And you want him to be... I don't want to see him at 90%. I want to see him at 100% because that's where we see him at his best. Mm. It'll be a frustrating time for him, but Valbuena's really playing excellently at the moment. He's, he's, he seems to have found a little bit of form at the moment. Keep playing who's form, in, in my opinion. If he's if he's the, the man of the moment, don't take him out the side. Give him the chances. And let Fakir rest up. Mention to him that it, uh, he it must be tough for him. It's it must be tough for any player with injury. But give him the chance to recover. There's plenty of football yet to play this season. There's the winter break coming up as well sooner more, sooner rather than later. And there's plenty of games coming up as well. Um, let him rest and hopefully after that winter break he can start afresh, fully fit and terrorising defenders again. 
right. Now, Peter, what's do you, what about what about your thoughts? Uh, Valbuena has experienced French international, fifty odd caps. Hmm. Keep him in its side. I think. I think based on if if you pick if you if if your managerial tact is to pick players only on their last performance, then you have to pick Valbuena because he was excellent in that game, absolutely excellent. And Fakir has not hit the heights that he hit last season. There's there's no no questions about that really. Obviously, that's down to the injury, um, and it's a shame as well because I think uh, I, in fact I remember Filippo Clef of the Guardian um, wrote a fantastic piece about how. Uh, last season, Lacazette stole the headlines, but Fakir was Leon's best player, and I think he still probably will be one day. But really, I think at the moment, Fakir he just isn't doing it. Um, I think, like I said, he's got that problem that a lot of players have, where they go out with a really serious injury, where they're, they're, they're it's constantly on their mind not to 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 that same injury again, and, and it can affect performances. So. I don't see the damage in, in resting him at the moment. The other thing as well, of course, is that Fakir is, is still so young. Um, so he, his time is, is way, way ahead of him, whereas Valbuena's best years, you know, are, are fast approaching and, and, and possibly, you know, you might get, you might not get those kind of performances out of Valbuena for much longer this season. So um, might be a good idea to kind of use him while you can. Um, but I, I think Genesio, he took a little bit of flack from us at points on, on the pod. Um, but Recently, um, I think he's done a lot to impress, and he's got such a talented midfield. You know, who knows? Leon Leon could go places this season, and could certainly catch Nice and uh, the other the other teams ahead of them uh, if they if they keep up this form. Yeah, and a very quick to point out about niggling injuries and worrying about them with his very quick pace and and sharp turning knee injuries like that can worry you you are you going to catch your studs in the turf because you've turned a little bit too quickly and you you jar your knee again and that's why I want him to make that full recovery first because you want him to try and play with that out of his mind and I don't think at the moment we've seen that yet all right Back to you, Peter. What about not? Rumors are swirling that uh, Chairman Valdemarquita wants to sack Rene Girard. Um, is that the right call? I mean, this, this is a team who brought in quite a few players via promotion in terms of our, I mean, Hari, but not only that, but uh, Lucas Lima, the left back, Diego Carlos, the center back, uh, midfield attacking players, uh, Sapinski, the striker, Nikolai Thompson, uh, Alexander Kasanichlich. Um, you know, the, the team had a considerable outlay, especially, you know, by the usual standards we're used to in, in French football. Uh, so is this, is this the right time for Girard to go? Potentially. I mean, uh, there's certainly um, reports circulating tonight that um, terminating the contract conversations around that are, are happening at the moment. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, but if I was the chairman of Nantes at the moment, I, I certainly would be assessing every option to make sure that I wouldn't have to sit through that kind of performance uh, that we saw the other night again, because not to take anything from anything away from Leon, they were absolutely excellent, but but Nantes defending in that game was woeful. I mean, it may suicidal at times. It was horrendous, and at least um, I think you you mentioned just before we came online, Eric, that at least one thing Nantes had last season last season is that they were good at the back. They didn't score too many goals, but they were good at the back. Now they've lost that as well, and if they continue to play like this, 
they could they could really be in for a relegation fight and, and that would be awful for for all of french football in general because uh like you said previously eric they have one of the best atmospheres in france they're one of france's oldest teams and i think i think we'd all hate to see them go down yeah no, I, I i fully agree with that not or if i had to say i had a second team it would probably be not but it's been it's been uh tough watching if i have to see them as of late but that is all for our match day 15 recaps, and now we're going to look forward to match day 16. Uh, brief update on the standings. Peter was our winner last week. <gasps> cl- cl- climbing that table, he got... Uh, we only previewed three matches, but uh, previewed, Peter did correctly call our call the result between Ren and Toulouse. Um, so he had four points on the weekend. I had two, and Nathan Adam uh, each had one. Adam is the leader with 35. I'm, 30, I'm at second with 32. Nathan's on third with 26, and Peter is just behind, though, on 23. And there's five matches to preview this week, so many more opportunities to get the correct uh, score. So, Nathan, let's start with you. Uh, We're looking at Angers hosting Lorient. Uh, Angers may have lost to PSG. They still took the the game of the champions in terms of of shots and their uh, intensity and attack, despite playing a 5-3-2. Meanwhile, Lorient have also looked sharper under Cassoni in terms of their attacking impetus, but Angers are much more ruthless than, than the sides they've played recently. Uh, this could be a surprisingly entertaining match. What, I mean, just a very general preview, I guess. What, what would you look for in this match? It's, it's not something that maybe, uh, you know, the casual observer would, on, would seek, seek out, but I think that, you know, we, we know that these clubs can be massively entertaining to watch. How would you sell this match to a, the casual observer. Just before I mentioned that on the predictions, curse you Guido Carrillo for scoring in the 93rd minute and ruining mm. two points for me. Mm. But to mention this game, yeah, the the strange thing for people that won't necessarily watch Liga and might catch something like this game, which yes, may, might be slightly unlikely to assume, but let's hope someone might tune into this game. And I think it might be quite a good one. You you make a great point. I think RJ were were pretty good against PSG. They didn't seem frightened by them, I thought. Um, uh, the young lad Pelé has been playing quite well in the last couple of weeks. He had a couple of good chances. Carl Tucker and Kambe has been a good capture. He had a couple of good chances. I thought Sheik and Doyle looked much more like the play we saw last season. He was bustling and, and, and combative in midfield and looking for those um, headers and, and strikes within the penalty box as well. And Ariola was called on more than one occasion to stop him from scoring it. That 2-0 scoreline probably flatters the champions a little bit. But, um, yeah, they're, they're playing really attacking football, even though they're playing that 5-3-2 with those two strikers. And like we mentioned in the game about Lorient earlier, they played more attacking football. They're almost guaranteed to concede goals. At the moment, they always look like they want to try and score goals as well. But against a team like Angers, they gave Ren a couple of opportunities. Um, the strikers that Angers have at the moment and they're, the deadliness, at least, of them at the moment, and the the, the threat that they showed against Paris Saint Germain could could really trouble Lorient if they play in that same way. Whether they will and maybe try and hold out for a point, because you have to think that because this is an away game, do Lorient maybe take a step back in this one to try and get a point because that might be more valuable at the end of the day. I don't know. I don't know if they've got the facilities to do that. Really, I think their their strength still is in there as attacking players. Although in uh, Waris and, and Marvo and and Mukanjo, but this could be a really entertaining game. But I think I think Angers are going to punish Lorient a little bit too often. I, I think Lorient are still 
clawing their way back confidence-wise, and it was it was clear in midweek that and uh, Angers too good to decide to do that too, and um, they'll punish them heavily. All right. So, what is your prediction then, since you are speaking so uh, so strongly about Lisco? I, I, I'm going to go for a three-one win for Angers. All right, Peter. I'm going to go for a one-nil win to Lorient. I think the right. new manager bounce is going to get them, and they're going to uh, go on a little bit of a run now. Or at least I hope they will. All right, I'll go for a one-nil win for Angers. All right, so moving on now to Bordeaux hosting Lille. This would have been a top-of-the-table clash in, in years past, but it is decidedly not. Uh, Peter, Bordeaux are still really stuttering in attack, uh, but will, meanwhile, Lille's new 4-2-3-1 with the reintroduction of Munir Abadi after a long injury layoff does seem to be paying dividends. Is that revamp enough to see Le Dog continue to climb the table against Bordeaux? I certainly hope so, Eric. I mean, that 4-2-3-1 is uh, something that we've been calling for since the, the first the first preview show, I think, if you go back. Um, so I, I'm glad to see, I know it sounds harsh, but I'm, I am glad to see the back of Antonetti. I, I didn't like him and I didn't like his tactics. I didn't think he was utilising the talented players that Leo have enough. And uh, it looks like the reaction to his sacking has, has been absolutely tremendous as, as far as performances go. Uh, to score four goals against that Khan side, I know obviously they're, they're sitting in the relegation zone at the moment, but they are still still a decent side. And it's a fantastic reaction to um, to losing the manager. I think now that, that Lille are kind of liberated from uh, Antonetti's style a little bit more, I think we might see to start to see them utilise their, their squad strengths a bit more now. Um, in the, in the game in midweek, Lopez was seeing a lot more of the ball. Uh, um, Nathan's love, um, Depreville, was... was um, so there's, there's po- lots of positives to take. And uh, hopefully Lille can, uh, can push on now because it's been a horrible few months and um, it's a club with a lot of history. I mean, you know, not too long ago, they were champions of Liga. So um, let, let's, let's, let's hope they can push on now. All right, so what then would be your score prediction? Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory for Lille. Okay. Uh, I will go for uh, 1-0-1 for Bordeaux. Nathan? I think this has one all written all over it for me. But with you, Nathan, we're moving on to a, another Breton derby after we, after this week's Ren Laurent match. That's uh, Gangamp hosting Nantes. Uh, after a bright start, Gangamp suffered through a winless November, but they're still just two points off Leon in fourth. Uh, is this a must-win against home, against the stuttering knot, especially with PSG and Saint-Étienne looming before the winter break? It, it's a strange thing to ask if it's a must-win. It is It is if you, they're looking to go for Europe, but I think yes, they would have been... Yeah, implied part of that question, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm, but I'm also assuming that Gangamp will probably have bitten your hand off if they said they could have been in fourth at this time of the season. Um and yes, at this point in time, if they're facing Paris Saint-Germain and Saint-Étienne next to a team that, uh, one team that's notoriously difficult to play against, another that's uh, notoriously difficult at making an entertaining game against, at least. But um, yeah, not uh, playing some dreadful stuff. Remigard is is pretty much gone. I think I, you, I can't you can't excuse uh, nine goals in fifteen games. It's utterly utterly appalling. I I think if you maybe. I, it, that's almost under half a goal a game. That's ridiculous. One goal in every two games. That's um, an insult to fans almost, I would say. Um, 
And when your defence is struggling as well, you've got a minus 15 goal difference. Gangon hopefully are rubbing their hands together because they have a number of entertaining players. I mean, Coco, Briand, uh, Blad was relatively good mid midweek as well from what I saw. I, I can't see Gangon not really going for this and th- trying to stick the knife in, especially as I can't see if, if Girard has, um, has gone, I can't see them have um, bringing someone in before the weekend. So, yeah, Kumbwari must see this one as a big win. Then if something happens in the PSG and Saint-Étienne games, then it's it's less of a blow. They'll probably still be in the European run with a, with a game before the winter break. But yeah, they have to see this as a game that is possibly an easy swinging win because this is a non-team that can't score. So that's not a worry at least. And they know that they can score against them. So take this advantage to get some confidence back into players after a, a not great November. I don't think they were poor in any in too many of the games. I thought they were competitive in a few, but you want to get those three points back on the board, especially if you want to fight for Europe because it is quite clustered in that top half of the table. Um, and one result can send you one way, one result can send you the other way. So yeah, get the three points on the board against a tough team. Uh, it will not, it will, <laughs> the exact opposite of a tough team, shall we say. And, uh, go into those more difficult games uh, in, with confidence in hand. Right, I'm going to go for a 2-0 win with that in mind. I do think Gangup are looking good in their, and have a win coming. They haven't looked poor to me. Um, no. Nathan, what about your, yourself? 4-0 Gangup. 4-0. All right. Peter? I'm going to meet you both in the middle and go 3-0 Gangup. All right. We're all very confident. Gangup. All right, so it's the death now for them. <laughs> so yeah, moving on now to two of the more frustrating sides to watch in the game. That is Ren hosting Etienne. This is the early match on Sunday. Uh, Peter, these two sides have spent money. They've tried to bring themselves up the table, but they're so they've been so poor in attack. Um, can we predict anything other than a scoreless draw? Should Galtier try again to that four four two he experimented with earlier in the season? Um. I'm not sure. I, I, I like Saint-Étienne in the 4-3-3. I think um, it, it suits players like Moni Pake and Hamuma um, to a team. And, and I'm not sure if you want goals going to a 4-4-2 is, is necessarily the way to go. Um, I mean, just look at Lyon. Goals start boring in. So, um, it, yeah, it's not a game that's going to pull many people out of bed, I think, on, on Sunday. Um Obviously, you've got Stefan Ruffier, who's who's arguably the best keeper in in Liga, um, other than perhaps Cardinal of Nice uh, at the moment. And I think potentially, but these are two teams that are not only set up defensively, but um, really their 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 most attractive attributes are how they defend. So difficult to see this one being anything other than a than a draw, really, um, especially considering uh, Gokuf's. Ren's uh, style at the moment. They really the uh, last season's um, fantastic performances was with Ntep and Ozuman Dembele just lighting up the Liga. Feel like, feel like a, a very long time ago now. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is going to be a draw. Uh, I think it's really going to be a, a battle of two keepers with uh, Costille and Ruffier going head to head. All right, bringing you in that question, Nathan, is Stefan Ruffier the best keeper in in France right now? For me, absolutely. I can't think of someone better than Stefan Ruffier. He's maybe, would you put in the, uh, my question would be, would you put him in the conversation for best in Europe? He's at least among the group for me because he's he's wildly consistent. I mean, he's 
that that was the question mark on him in the past is he had those moments of a little bit erraticness, a little bit crazy, maybe letting a soft goal, but he's been absolutely terrific this season, I think. I think uh, there's not been a, a any goal that Santatien have conceded, and there's been very few, have been his fault, and he's really saved them in games. He made several saves against Marseille in midweek. He's made countless saves against teams like, I can remember against uh, the Mets where they make the 1-1 draw. They were powered on at times in there, and he made some superb saves in that game. Uh, he's an excellent, excellent stop shot, shot stopper. He, he make, breeds so much confidence into an already strong defence. Um, I can't think of someone better in Liga, and certainly I, I don't think there's anyone in this league in Liga at the moment other than you may argue that Ariola's quality-wise is maybe on his level on his day, but consistency-wise, there's no one better for me. Right. I, I might say a word for Anthony Lopez, but I, I think I have to agree. I think the match <laughs> last week against Mainz in the Europa League was the same thing. I mean, they needed that result, a scoreless draw, and it was Ruffier the whole way. I, I really hope that he can, he can get his uh, situation with, uh, with uh, Didier Deschamps sorted out and become uh, a part of that French side. I think there's a lot of potential for Areola, but I think that, that Ruffier, if a third keeper means something, to the French national team uh, should be selected. I mean, and on form, I, I would probably put him ahead of Mondanda as well at this point in time. Um, but again, the next set of call-ups is four months away. But, you know, hopefully his form continues and hopefully he stays uh, with Levera and that no English clubs uh, reach into their pockets for a move for the, the keeper. Um, so then score predictions. Uh, Nathan, come to you first. Thank God I got this one first because I know exactly <laughs> what, what result I'm going for in this one. This is probably going to be the least ambitious game you see all season and it finishes nil-nil. All right, Peter. <laughs> you know what, Eric? I'm thinking I'm just three points off catching Nathan. I need to take a risk. I need to throw myself out there. I'm going to go one-nil to Setsetien. All right. I actually, before either of you had... I'm going to also have the other binary outcome. Uh, that's, I'll go for a 1-0 win for Ren. Uh, I do think that they've shown a little bit more with, with Perchich and Hunu coming into the team in recent times. Uh, and I think that those two uh, just have a little bit more guile in class. They're, they're a little bit better at keeping possession. Uh, they're less enigmatic than the likes of, of Grosicki and Henrique. Uh, so 1-0 for the hosts. I'm moving on to our final match. Nathan, that's Nice hosting Toulouse. Uh, both of these sides have gained momentum, and this isn't as appealing as it had been a month ago when both of them are really riding high. These are still topping the table. Um, who should have the advantage here? Both of these squads are a little bit thin. Um, a big, you know, big week of fixtures. Nice had also played in the Europa League last Thursday. Um, who looks to have the advantage here, Nathan? I think it's still Nice. I think they still have a much better squad than Toulouse, although both have had a great start to the season. Neither will be disappointed where they are. And it was a big win for Toulouse in midweek as well to grab that result. But they also, they rode their luck in it, didn't they? They, they scored very early on through uh, Issa Diop's chest. Um, he tried his best not to handball it and just threw his chest at the goal. But... Um, they were really pounded by Montpellier. Then there's a moment where Boudou should score. There's a moment where Lafont makes a mistake and, and Mooney should really maybe take a, a, maybe a half second more and he scores from about 30 yards into an open goal. Uh, they certainly looked edgy and didn't look confident with that one-nil result. Whereas 
in Nice's game, they probably should have sealed that one away in midweek. I think they had a number of chances really against uh, Gangomp. Although Gangomp didn't look terrible, uh, again I thought they were they were still decent, but they didn't they didn't create enormous amount. Gangomp and, and Nice had a couple of really good chances and really probably should have stuck that away. An excellent goal from Belanda that wins it though. But yeah, you're very the question's perfectly answered the, the, in the fact that this isn't as appealing as it would have been a month ago where both sides were on a crest of a wave. They seem to have come down from that now. Nice is sort of trudging through a, a, a slightly difficult period, but they always say it's the making of champions to get results in these kind of games and in these kind of performances that they've had recently as well. And, and looking ahead that they've got PSG in the massive, massive game next weekend in the Sunday evening they need a result in this one to stay above the water against Paris Saint-Germain and, and hope that... I'm not sure... what. Do you, have you heard anything on Paul Bias yet, Eric, of, of when he will be returning at all? Or um, You know, I had... Know and, and this is Sunday, so I I, I mean... Let's see. We'll look at our our betting websites and see if there's any injury news on him. I had... Well, and while I'm looking at that, uh, just because this is a, you know, the big match on Sunday, do you have any anything you'd like to add on this, Peter? I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think you put that perfectly in the question, Eric. Actually, by by saying that this is a, a fixture that would have been a much more appealing a month ago. Um, nice are, I think, slowing down potentially. I think they're missing Balotelli a lot. I never thought I'd be saying that, um, but he offers so much up front. And Plie uh, in the game midweek, you know, he, he missed so many chances. There was a one-on-one with the keeper at one point where. You know, it seemed harder not to score. Um, so, but but thankfully for them, obviously, you know, Eunice Bellhanders have been a, a really excellent signing and looks to offer so much going forward as well. So, I think Nice will do this. Um, I think the hype around Toulouse has has gone as well. Obviously, with the the, the heroics from Dupraz last season keeping them up, and I think maybe with the start they had as well, people thought Toulouse might go on and, and do bigger things uh, this season. Maybe maybe copy Gangomp in that way, but. Yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be um, a particularly exciting fixture, but I think that probably Nice are going to have enough quality to to win this game. Um, possibly this would be the kind of fixture where I'd like to see um, Diakabi start. Mm. And it's it, it's an interesting point. I mean, player missed a really good chance, and I don't know how he missed the chance at the weekend against. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember who the player at the weekend. It, it, Against Bastia, wasn't it in the one-one oh, draw? He, yeah. it goes I, around the goalkeeper. Could have had a hat trick. I, I I'm fully agree. Good with grief! There. Good grief! How does he yeah. miss that chance? Um, all he has to do is put it on the floor. I don't know why he's hitting it that hard, but it's so frustrating that you see a player that is he's really talented and he's scored eight goals this season. So it's not like he's he's goal shy or anything like that, and he struggled. I mean, he's he's third top scorer in Liga at the moment, and it's it's such a shame that I think that. They they just seem a little bit shaky on occasions. I think Johan Cardinal made two absolutely terrific saves as well in that in that from distance at least in that gang on game. Um, and I mentioned in a piece I did uh, a couple of weeks ago that he does very slightly remind me of a former Manchester United goalkeeper of Fabian Barthez, especially in frame, in athleticism, and that ability to sort of pull out those reflect reaction saves out of nothing. And he really is an important player for them. And, and like I've mentioned already, Paul Bice is a really, he's a player they need back, isn't he? They just don't seem quite as secure without that back three. I think it restricts Pereira a little bit more. I think that the midfield seems to have to do a little bit more and player seems a little bit more isolated because of the lack of width 
in the side because of that. And the quicker they can get him back, the better they'll be. But to lose, they're a good team. I think they're not going to struggle this season. I think they're going to stay in that sort of mid-table spot. But I've not seen enough in the last couple of weeks that they can beat this kind of side, especially with it being in Nice. If it was in Toulouse, it might be a different question. But they don't quite have enough for me at the moment to, to dislodge Nice at, at the Alianza Riviera. All right. Score predictions will come to you first, Peter. Uh, I'm going to go for 1 0 Nice. Okay. I'm going to go for a scoreless draw. Nathan? I'm going to go with uh, 2 0 Nice in this one. All right. Great. That's all for this week. Be sure to join us on Monday when we're back to wrap up all of these matches, as well as look ahead to Leon's big fixture with Sevilla midweek. Uh, for Nathan Staples and Peter Bowler, I've been Eric Devin. Thank you and enjoy your weekend of football. <laughs>